CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. So glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you, as we always are, every weekday afternoon at this time. We set an hour aside to just answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events, what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? If you've been witnessing, sharing your faith, or you've been reading your Bible, come across a question, hey, that's why we're here for you, to help you each and every weekday afternoon. That number to call again, 8888-ASK. CSN. You can be part of the program today. we got some lines open, so you're assured to call right now. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker here on the weekend, Scott Parker from Calvary Chapel Festus, Missouri. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike. It's great to be with you. You left out Crystal City. I, I did. I did. There's no place <laughs> like home. There's no place like home. Well, actually, Mike, there's no place like Hawaii. And that, so that's, that's why, true. That's, that's why true. To, that's why today I'm wearing the only Hawaiian shirt I have left in my wardrobe. How's uh, the weather I, outside? I know I'd be joining you. Um, well, it's also really nice here right now. It is. We have a seventies today. It is. Oh beautiful. my goodness. That yeah. is very nice. It is so it's nice. Snowing in Twin Falls. So. Oh, <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah. Glad you're there then. We still have winter. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. 88. 88, ask CSN is the number to call. And Scott, why don't we just go ahead and go to the phones? We have sure. Nate on the line, Sam in Idaho. Hi and welcome. Yeah, hi, Mike. Uh, hi. question for you. Wondering about the book of Jude. A lot of times you will refer to the book of Jude when you're talking about people losing their salvation or walking away from it. And it seems yeah. like in that book, from what I've listened to and, and read and uh, heard studies on, it mainly is talking about like false teachers and, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing kind of thing. Um, not, it, I didn't really understand when you, you allude to that, you say, what's the, what could the whole book of Jude be about if it's not about people losing or walking away from their salvation? But it seems to me that that book is talking about false teachers. Well, let me just read this to you. Uh, this is a Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter, of course. Verse 5. But I want to remind you. Now, it's interesting that he uses these words, reminding you, because evidently people forget these things. And of course, this isn't some new doctrine or whatever. First Corinthians chapter 6 is extremely clear. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, do not be deceived. He's not writing to a bar or a brothel. He's writing to the church. Do not be deceived. Those that practice such lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he lists those uh, lifestyles. Now, he's writing to Christians. I think it's really in it. It says those that practice these things. He's not talking to the world. The world's already not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. But let's just look at Jude uh, one, first chapter, verse five, it says, but I want to remind you, though you all once knew this, have the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. 
Now, he, he brought everybody out, but those that wouldn't continue believing, because they all were delivered from Egypt, they uh, uh, did not believe, uh, they were destroyed. And the angels, who did not keep their proper domain, or their first estate, as the old King James says, but left their own habitation, he is reserved in chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. The angels knew God. They knew the majesty of Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, just just as a couple of, of illustrations there. And then it talks about the false teachers that have come in, spots in your love feasts and all. Um, now, again, um, verse 16 goes on. It says, these are murmurers and complainers walking according to their own lusts. Out of the mouth, they speak great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Now he goes on and he warns them that they will endure a punishment. In fact, we find that it says that they, uh, um, that, that there's no end to it. This idea of hell being annihilation again is interesting, but no, there are that, that alluding to how God saved people, but then those that didn't continue in their belief were destroyed. Your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, I think we also have to, you know, take everything that's written in the book um, to heart. Because, you know, when you come down to verse 20, after all that Mike just explained and after all that Jude says, um, well, first of all, I think it's important at the very beginning of the book where he talks about, you know, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation. He says, but I found it necessary to write to you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once all de- for all delivered to the saints. So Jude is like, I, I really wanted to write to you uh, and-, and expound more on our salvation and the and the effects of our salvation, kind of like what Paul did in the book of Romans. But he said that he found it necessary to write to them uh, to to stay with the faith, to earnestly contend, to fight for, to to uh, well, that word contend, you know, to to strive for uh, the original faith because many are falling away from it. This is interesting because I, I think, Mike, when you, you know, when you look at the Book of Jude, it's interesting because it gives you the idea the way the wording is is these are all people who used to know the Lord that who used including to have exactly who used to have a standing a right standing with God, and they didn't contend for the faith; they fell away. Now, you know, we, we're told, uh, Paul talks about it in Second Thessalonians chapter two, um, that before the Antichrist is revealed, uh, during the tribulation, there's going to be a falling away from the faith. Paul talks about this to Timothy, uh, and talks about, uh, people falling away from the faith and them actually, and what, it, what that means is to apostatize. And so that's what you're looking at here. And so that's why they have that language. And then what you have again in verse 20, he he begins to give the, the Christians some imperatives. Imperatives are commands. He's, he's giving us Christians commands that, you know what, if you're going to contend for the faith and not fall away from the faith, here's what you need to do. Verse 20, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. That's that's an imperative to build yourself up, to to you know to strengthen yourself in the faith. Praying is another one, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 21, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. And so this is something where we have to cooperate uh, with the Holy Spirit in obedience to God's word to remain in that place 
uh, that that the Holy Spirit has put us in when we put our faith in Christ, which is in Christ. Um, so it's it's really interesting uh, because when we look at this, what we see is we see that when it comes to believers who have this assurance that they're saved, these are also the same believers who do the things that are necessary to make sure that they abide in Christ. And I remember Pastor Chuck Smith used to, every time he was ever asked, I, I heard him, Mike, many, many times uh, here on Every Man and Answer years ago. I heard him many times at pastor's conferences talk about uh, eternal security and and the security of the believer. And he would, he would say this, I believe in the security of the believer as far as the believer abiding in Christ, that as long as we abide in Christ, we have that assurance that we're saved but once we start getting outside of Christ, once we start living the way we want, and we start getting away uh, from doing the things that are necessary uh, to, to maintain fellowship. Now, we're not talking about maintaining salvation. The Lord does that for us. But in maintaining our, our relationship with God, it takes us cooperating with the Holy Spirit and being obedient to the, uh, be, being obedient to the Word of God and submitting to Christ as, as, as our Lord. When we don't do that, then you know what? I don't believe we do have any assurance that everything is right between us and God. And I think that's why in the New Testament, we see so many warnings. Paul gives so many warnings um, in Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 5, all these different warnings that, hey, those who practice these things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He talks about that. Jesus to the, to the churches and the seven letters to the seven churches, Revelation chapter two and three. You see this repeated a lot where he's talking to believers, giving them warnings that, and, and if they don't heed the warnings and they don't repent and do what they're supposed to do, uh, that they don't have that assurance. And so I think it's important. Now in verse 24, it does tell us, that that for those who are in Christ, it says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And it talks about, you know, God, our Savior. Of course, he's talking about the Lord and, and Jesus. So what's interesting is he Paul tells us or I'm sorry, Jude tells us there that he is able to keep us from stumbling, present the us. Big, the big question is Chuck used to say, <laughs> but are you willing? Yeah, are you willing? And God's do you want to? Do you want to be? <laughs> God's able, but are you willing? Because if you go back to verse twenty-three, very quickly, it says, "But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire." Mm -hmm. Boy, I'll tell you, that's some pretty strong words there. No, God's able to keep us from falling, and just as we you talked earlier about abiding in Him, uh, He's able, but are we willing? And I, I think that's the real bottom line. Are we willing? And again, I think really, Nate, it goes back to the question, what do people think heaven is? If you think heaven's an everlasting Hager on the back of your old Ford pickup with your dog, Blue, oh, yeah, I want to go to heaven. But no, heaven is a place where God is worshipped forever. His will is done explicitly. If we don't want to do God's will here on this earth, whether it's we call ourselves a Christian, non-Christian, backslidden Christian, you you enter whatever you want to use the terminology there. If we don't want to do God's will here on this earth, why in the world would you want to do it forever in eternity? Death seals us in the condition we're in. So I really believe that, again, this book and addressing the false teachers, these are the ones that came in saying, hey, party down, do what you want. This is where the danger comes in. 
So I believe this is why he addressed all of this together, because the false teachers were basically causing them to believe that they could do whatever they want. They they were going after money. What do people want? Teachers having itching ears. You know, uh, give me your money. Live live life your way. Uh, and I believe that is so dangerous. So, no, that's why, Nate, I've got to kind of have the stand we have on the book of Jude. Hope that helps. Yeah, no, it helps. I mean, it just makes me feel like I just have to keep myself saved because I, 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 I have a really big struggle with knowing whether or not I'm saved or not. I feel like one week I am, one week I'm not. I'm up, down. I don't, you know, and I, I it, it almost tortures me sometimes because, um, you know, you say that it, uh, uh, you're sealed in the condition you're in, and if I when you die. I get it. Yeah, no, you, when you die, you're sealed in that condition. And if somebody dies and they're, you know, so there's somebody that struggles with a certain sin and, you know, are, you know, are you, sa- are you saved? Are you not? I mean, I, it just seems like you really have to work hard here to, to abide. And I, if people have certain things in their life that they just have tried and tried and tried to stop, you know, alcohol is mine. Um, I can't quit drinking. I've tried. Even when I do quit drinking at certain times, I still don't feel like I'm saved. I just don't. I don't know what I have to do. You know, as many times as I repent and I confess, you know, Jesus is Lord, and I ask him to forgive me every day, and I still feel like I'm just not saved. I, I don't know how I can. Nate, are you part of a church? Yeah. I'm, there? Yes. Well, I would have the elders of the church lay hands on you, anoint you with oil to break this. Uh, it goes deep because a- apart from everything else we read, Ephesians chapter five says, be not drunk with wine. We're in excess, but be filled with the spirit where we're in an altered state. We got a little bit of a buzz on. I, I don't believe that's what God is talking about. We, we need to have, we need to, we need to have the Holy Spirit buzz. We need an Ephesians fifth, not a worldly fifth or, or whatever it is. And, and the, the thing is when it comes to, Eternal security, I don't believe it It goes by, we all stumble. We all have those lapses of faith. We all do that all the time. I believe this, what we talk about here in Jude, and if you look at the context, it's over a period of a lifetime. Uh, the, the angels who kept not their first estate, that was over a period of a lifetime when they rebelled and walked out. We, we look at the children of Israel, who saw the miracles of God. They were there witnessing the 10 miracles that God did uh, to Egypt to let Pharaoh let them go. Then they saw the seas parted, heaped up on its side. They walked the sea on dry ground. And in all that, they still, some rebelled. We remember the rebellion of Korah. We remember the golden calf incident. All these different things show that you can take Egypt out of the people. You can take the people out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of the people. And this is one of the great problems. People say, well, uh, they weren't saved. Well, then go to the angels. They saw Jesus firsthand. They knew the majesty of God. Jesus himself says it. Now, does this mean that, you know, I do believe there is a reward for those who diligently seek him. Watch, therefore, Jesus said, and and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord is going to come. If it doesn't make any difference, then why is Jesus lying to the church? 
Because you can't have it both ways. The problem is when you get into these these teachers say, oh, man, once you're a Christian, you can party, you can do whatever. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Oh, you might lose your rewards. No, that isn't what the Bible says. Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. If it doesn't make any difference, according to these teachers like we find here in the book of Jude, then why is Jesus lying to the church? Somebody here is lying. So I'm just saying, I take Jesus, what he says, very seriously. I don't care what some well-known pastor says. I don't care what church dogma says. Well, our great denomination believes. I could care less. What I care about is what does the Bible say about these topics and the compelling of Jesus? Do I sin? Do I sin daily? Yes. Maybe it's in my heart. Maybe it's a guy that signals right and turns left. Maybe it's somebody that cuts you off. Maybe it's 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 a, a temper blast. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one, Nate. Don't wear, don't carry the weight that you're but the thing is, if the Holy Spirit is working on you to get out of your drinking, do you realize you're poisoning your body? You're killing your liver, man. You know, we're frying our brain cells. We haven't got that many left anyway. Don't fry any more that you got. Plus, it costs money to get altered. And when we start looking at all the reasons why we shouldn't do certain things, yeah, eternity is a real consideration. But we remember the story that Jesus gave in Matthew 24. Now, I know for many people, Jesus was just shucking and jiving everybody. But I happen to take Jesus very serious. In the last few verses of Matthew 24, that evil servant says in his heart, now, first of all, I don't believe you're an evil servant, Nate. I believe you're somebody that loves God, that's got some 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 work in, in the flesh that we just need to deal with, as we all do. But that evil servant says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. He knew the Lord was going to come. He begins to eat and drink with the drunken. He beats his fellow man. Jesus is the one saying this. The Lord of that servant will come when he's not expecting him. Probably because he's drunk. And give him his portion where the, where the, with the hypocrites where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did Jesus just, he, he, he was kidding, man. He wasn't really serious. I've listened to a lot of the denominational teachers on this. Oh, Jesus didn't mean what he said there. No. No, I don't think that is true. If Jesus said it, I believe it. Well, but our denomination, we have our great, well-known ministers that have their name in lights say, no, this is not the case. I'll bet on Jesus before any man, any day of the week. Yeah, I believe Jesus is able to keep us from falling. I believe no one plucks us out of the hand of God. The question is, he's able, but are we willing? And as long as there's a willingness, even a little willingness, even when you're drinking, you're saying, God, I hate this. That's a willingness. I believe God will reach out and minister to us. But when we just say, well, this is just the way I am. I guess I'm just a party on Christian and God's going to have to love me just like I am. I believe we are self-deceived. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, those that make something a lifestyle. And I believe very clearly when we get into full-on repetitive drunkenness, 
shacked up, all these different things that are going on. Um, I, I believe that's where, where God's trying to deal with us. And we can always tell when God's dealing with us because we want to come up for ex- with excuses to justify our ungodly behavior. That's just the way it works. So, you know, really, Nate, I just want to encourage you to to really keep faithful. You need to get prayed over. I really believe that if there is something, listen, we're, we're, we're all dealing with broken bodies, bodies under an old sinful curse. We, we need to be prayed for often. I have friends of mine I ask to pray for me because I'll tell you, the, the battle is long and hard and I need to surround myself with Christians. I don't listen to worldly music. Now, does that mean I don't, I haven't heard a song by Neil Diamond in the last week? No. But what I'm saying is, generally speaking, I don't listen to worldly music because I know the source of that music and I know it wasn't Christ. And even though I keep hearing things that subliminally affect my relationship with God, I want to be careful about that. We are easily programmed by the world through television, radio, our friends, uh, newspaper, the internet, all these different things. And so we, we just have to be very, very careful. Man, the battle, the battle for all of us rages on. And again, just as you mentioned, Scott, where you talked about the great falling away, I think this is a serious, serious Sign of the end times, because iniquity, sin, pleasure abounds. The love of many wax cold. Your thoughts? Yeah, Nate, I would really encourage you to um, in in this way. I like Mike said, I would definitely go to your church, go to your pastor, your elders, and ask them to pray for you. I would also seek out somebody who knows the Bible, maybe the pastor or yes. elders at the yes. church. Amen who know their Bible really well and ask them to counsel you in this area to help you get free. Here's why I say that. Um, you know, the bad news about being enslaved to alcohol. Now, I'll be honest with you. The, the Bible doesn't use the term alcoholic. It doesn't use that term. That's a worldly term. That's a, a term psychology comes up with to label behavior. That's what that is. The Bible calls it drunkenness. And calls people who get drunk drunkards. Uh, it doesn't paint it in a, in a good light at all. In fact, in, in Galatians chapter five, uh, in verse 21, it actually says that drunkenness is a sin that will keep you out of the kingdom of God. It says that very clearly. We also read this again in Revelation chapter 21. Uh, this is very important that we understand this issue. So knowing that this type of behavior and this type of sin is something that will, that will cost me my eternal destiny, it will cost me my eternity with the Lord means that I need to take this serious and, 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 and you need to take it serious. And I believe that you, you are trying to because you called in today. And I would say this to you. I would say number one, the first thing you have to do is you, you have to do a study in the Bible about how God sees drunkenness. And when you see how God sees drunkenness, and then you see the end of those who continue in that sin, then that should cause you in your heart to want to repent from it, to turn from it, to to get it completely out of your life 100%. 
Then after that, I think what you need is, I think you need a really good Bible study on Romans chapter 6. And the reason I say that is because in Romans chapter 6, Paul actually tells us that not only did Christ die for our sins, but it says when Christ died on the cross, we died with him. And as a as a result of that, sin no longer has power over us. See, Nate, when you say I'm a Christian, but I can't help but drink, that's an oxymoron. That Both of those can't be true because the Bible teaches that when you're born again, what happens is, is sin ha- no longer has power over you. The only way sin has power over any of us who are believers is when we allow the old sinful nature to rule our lives, to rule our thoughts and our actions, rather than the new nature that is given to us, which is the Holy Spirit. And so I would encourage you to go to your pastor, go to your elders and say, hey, could you help me understand Romans chapter six? In fact, right now on CSN, on our radio program on the weekend, I'm actually teaching through Romans chapter six on the radio. And we have, you know, several studies already on our website of Romans chapter six. If you want to go there and listen to them, where we deal with this issue, we, we deal with the issue of it's, it's Paul says, you know, uh, practicing sin is different than committing sin. We, as, as Mike said, we all commit sin because we are fallen human beings. Even though we're redeemed, we still have the sinful nature. We all commit sin, but we are not to continue in sin in the fact of allowing it to rule our lives and allowing it to keep us in bondage. And so it's really important, I think, that you understand the truths that Paul's bring out in Romans 6 because when you understand that through the cross, what Jesus has done is he has broke the power of sin over us as Christians. We are now free and we are free not to sin, but we're free to follow the Holy Spirit, be led by the Spirit and to live a life in the Spirit. And as we said in the very beginning, this only happens when we abide in Christ, when we remain in Jesus, whenever we have daily prayer, when we have daily Bible reading, when we spend time with our Lord and have communion and fellowship with him and allow his life to constantly feed feed into us his life, uh, you know, into our life. That's the only way that we can we can be led by the spirit and live the life he wants us to live. And it, it's a big subject. There's a lot to it. But as Mike said, I would definitely have your elders and your pastor pray over you. And then I would ask them, could you, could somebody who knows the Bible counsel me in how I can be f- free uh, from this? Because Nate, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a true believer, you can stop it. You, you can stop doing that. You do now have the power because Jesus has broken the power, sin's power over you as a Christian. You are not a slave to sin anymore. And so I want to encourage you to read Romans chapter 6. Mike? Nate, I hope that answered it for you. Father, we just ask you to bless Nate, deliver him, God, yes. from alcohol, and all those listening that have something they're wrestling with because you're a good God. Mm-hmm. Nate, stay in line. We'll send you out books, DVDs. And um, again, check out your pastor. Coming up on a break, we'll be back for more. This is Brian along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare and Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brian, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people. My experience has been MediShare has been 
fantastic for me. Yeah. It, it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. It, yeah. And see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that it's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it. And it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, so really, for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it. So um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. Yeah. Okay. Call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. How do we change a nation? One heart at a time. The Ministry of Preborn not only shares heartbeats, but shares hearts by loving women in crisis and leading them to Christ. When this mom came to a preborn center, she was scared and not sure if she could afford another child. It was just a scary time for us having my daughter, how that would impact our lives. When I came here, it was just so amazing to come to an environment where someone would actually pray for me and God my battles that I was facing during that time. After receiving love, support, and the gospel of Jesus Christ, this mom chose life for her daughter. Preborn clinics support moms in crisis nationwide by introducing them to their preborn babies through ultrasound and then leading them to Christ. To learn how you can be a part of sharing heartbeats and shaping hearts for Christ, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Welcome you back to part two of Every Man and Answer here on this Monday afternoon with Scott Parker. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. We're going to go right back to the phones. We have Bill on the line, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Bill, are you there? I am here. Hello. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Bill, how may we help? So I called in about six weeks ago, there about, in regards to my wife's niece. Her name is Dorothy. She had went into cardiac arrest and yes. ended up in the hospital for uh, for about three weeks. Well, since then, since uh, I called in and asked the saints of God to pray for this young lady, she has fully recovered um, physically. She's got some issues spiritually. She's under a female pastor, and she reads from a transliterated Bible. Um, but uh, nonetheless, the request was that uh, the Lord would heal her from her uh, from her issue that she had when she went into the hospital. So just basically wanted to give a praise report to everybody listening. Thank you. Well, Bill, let's pray. Father, we don't want to be like the, like the nine lepers that didn't come back and say thank you. We okay. just want to say publicly thank you for touching Bill's um, uh, niece. We just ask you that you would just bring her closer to you. And through all of these events, Lord, she'd be a better Christian and somebody that truly seeks you. Lord, thank you for answering prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Bill, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs for her. Be sure you get them into her hands. It might touch her life, okay? I most certainly will try to. Thank you. Bill, God bless you. Thanks so much for the call and the praise report. Always good to know that we have a God that saves, heals, and loves. Let's go to Bridget, Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, welcome. The affirmation that it's okay. And so I think it's, it's, it's going to cause people to stumble. Hello? Oh. Hello. Looking for Bridget. 
So Brian's struggling with that. Well, I don't She's know. Another Bridget. conversation. <laughs> I think so. I think we're, we're eavesdropping story. right now, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I think we were, and 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 so was all of America and the world on the internet. Uh, let's see, Bridget, are you there? I don't think so. Okay, let's go to Catherine, Dallas, Texas. Hi, welcome. Catherine, are you there? Mike? Hi. Yes, we're here. Thank you so much for taking my call. I've been listening to you guys for years. I'm so excited that I finally got through to you. And thank you for all you do because sometimes you make me laugh out loud in my car on the way home. Um, My question is about tithing. Um, Am I supposed to tithe? to the church that I belong to, or am I supposed to tithe to just any Christian organization? Generally in the Bible, the tithe went to where you worshiped. That's that's generally the way it was. Then offerings were above your tithe, and then almsgiving was something that maybe not necessarily had a dollar value attached to it or a shekel attached to it, but it was mowing your next door neighbor's lawn because they broke their leg or giving them a sack of oranges or something along that line. That that would be almsgiving. However, today, with so many churches that are really not teaching God's Word, I tell people, support what blesses you, because if you don't, it won't be there. That's just the way it works. Uh, and I find that a lot of times, Many of these fellowships and their organization, they're supporting uh, homosexual agendas, uh, the LGBT, major denominations in America now are doing that. And I really wouldn't want my tithe dollar personally to go to something like that. I want to uh, support that which I know uh, stands for God's word. That, you know, they're not all wearing Rolex watches and flying Learjets. But I want to see where what I give to is actually making a difference in the world and feeding people, feeding me. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I think exactly what Mike said there. And I think it's important for us to support those who support us um, spiritually. Uh, we see that in the New Testament. Paul mentions this a few different times where he talks about um, those who spiritually sow into our lives, um, in the way of, of ministering to us spiritually also have the privilege and the right to reap, uh, physical rewards from those they minister to. Now we're not talking about fleecing the flock. <laughs> we're not talking about because I'm a pastor, you know, everybody should come to church and lay money at my feet and lay watches and, and jewelry at my feet. No, we're, we're not talking about that excess that some people uh, uh, equate with this. Uh, but I think it's important that, you know, in the Old Testament, the tithes were brought to the storehouse or literally to the temple, uh, you know, where they were stored. Um, so when we come to the New Testament, God's house today is the church. I'm a firm believer that um, the first part of what we give to the Lord, I believe, should go to our local church. Now we have to, we have to now, which is sad, as Mike just did, we have to preface that by saying that's if you're going to a good church. Um, if you're going to a church that's, that's faithful, uh, to the gospel, faithful to teaching the Bible, faithful in, in being there to minister to you, 
Um, if that's the case, then that's where your giving should go. It should go to your local church. Uh, you know, and, and Paul would even equate this, um, giving to the temple in the Old Testament to giving to those who minister to us spiritually in the New Testament. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, when Paul was talking to the Corinthians about, hey, you know, should a minister be paid anything? Uh, Paul brought up the, brought up something from the Old Testament in verse 13. He says, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple? In other words, they eat some of the sacrifices. They got to keep, keep a part of the sacrifices for themselves to eat to sustain them because that was their full time job was, was ministering at the temple and the tabernacle. It says, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings at the altar. And then Paul says this, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. And so what it's simply telling us there is when it comes to ministry today and it comes to the church, uh, those who have given their lives uh, to preach the Bible, to teach the Bible, and to minister to God's flock faithfully, okay, faithfully, those who do that, uh, they should be rewarded in that their physical needs should be met. And how are they met? They're only met through the giving, the faithful giving of the people who attend that church and who are receiving that ministry from that pastor and that leadership in that church. So I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm not only am I a pastor, but I, you know, even before I was a pastor, um, I faithfully tithe. Uh, I became a Christian when I was 16 years old. And from the time I got my first job, I faithfully gave to the Lord and gave to my local church. And I tell you what, God has always met all my needs and blessed me for it. And now that I'm a pastor, uh, I encourage people that, hey, you know, uh, when it comes to what the Bible has to say about this, it's important that we do worship the Lord with our giving. And I do believe that that first part of what we give should go to our local church. Uh, but again, the principle we see in the Bible is you want to, you want to give to those who are giving to you. We give to those physically who are giving to us spiritually. So Mike? Yeah. Uh, we don't find a command in the New Testament, uh, like Paul to go ahead and continue to support the, the temple in Jerusalem being that no. they were contrary to the spirit of God. Right. Uh, now I realize that in sm small communities, sometimes there is only one or two churches. And you have to forgo a lot of biblical doctrine to just attend there. Uh, but it's not good to be all alone and not have other brothers and sisters around you, even though the church doctrine may be, may be wonky. But, uh, I think you just have to pray and just have God direct you on what and how to, to bless the kingdom of God, Catherine. I hope that helps. It does. Thank you so much for clarifying that. I just wanted to make sure that if I didn't give to my church or if I get, gave to a different um, organization, that it's, they're not going to open the books and say, oh, she didn't give this month. <laughs> no, yeah, no. no that, that's one of the, the, the problems that we find so often is it's it's not a have to, it's a get to. And I, I think that we have to always understand that. Catherine, stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy, okay? Great. Thank you so much for all you do. God bless you. God bless you, Catherine, and thank you. And let's go to Bridget. Back to Bridget. Hi and welcome. Hi. Good afternoon, pastors. How may we help? Uh, my question is, can you speak... Uh, let's see, can you speak to leaders who are creeping into the church, whether worship leaders, pastors, teachers, etc., that identify as a celibate homosexual? Um, 
It seems to be one of the latest buzzes, and I, I, I think it's wrong. Uh, based on First Corinthians 6, it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But um, I just wonder if you could speak to that. Oh, absolutely. It's wrong. Uh, there's no way around it. Romans chapter 1 is extremely, explicitly clear on this particular topic. Your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, exactly. And um, there's no wiggle room here. Now, I'm not sure that I'm understanding completely what you're saying there, Bridget. If, you know, could there be could there be people who, when they say they're celibate and they struggle against homosexual tendencies? Um, I believe there's a lot of Christians that actually fit that bill. I believe they're, I've, I've met them. Um, I've ministered to them, to, to people who are born-again Christians who love Jesus, who do not practice homosexuality, but they do struggle against it in their sinful nature. Um, I do know that. Now, in my opinion, as far as being a pastor or a church leader, if a person is dealing with that sort of sin, I don't think it's wise at all for them to be placed in leadership. Um, no, no more than the call we took earlier, uh, with Nate, you know, I'm, Hey, I'm struggling with, I'm struggling with alcohol. Well, if a person is a Christian and they're struggling with alcohol, um, you know, they're, they shouldn't be put in the place of leadership, <laughs> you know, um, because they're, they're still struggling with that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a difficult thing, you know, to kind of break down, at least for me, in the sense of what are these people claiming? Now, if they're claiming I am a homosexual, okay, uh, the, the same way when people go to AA and say I am an alcoholic, again, like we told Nate, that's kind of an oxymoron. That's, that's like, listen, if you're a believer, then you're not a drunkard. If you're a believer, then you're not a homosexual. Just as, just as you read in first Corinthians chapter six, you were this, but you're not anymore because you have a new identity in Christ. Christ is in you. And because again, the power of sin has been broken over your life. So, um, you know, I agree with Mike, I, you know, there's no wiggle room on this at all. Um, but depending on how people are framing this and how they're, they're coming across with this, I think would be important. But again, I would say if someone is, you know, not partaking in homosexuality, but say, boy, I struggle with it, then that that would be a big red flag to me that this person uh, is not ready to 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 be in leadership as far as in a church and, um, you know, in ministering to people in that way. So, Mike. Richard, hope that helps. Great answer. Thank you. God bless you. Read Romans chapter one, explicitly clear, no wiggle room. Uh, sure. And uh, also first Corinthians six, as you mentioned, uh, uh, we just have to be very, very much aware, um, you know, uh, of, of the days we're in. So stay on line, Bridget. We'll get you taken care of. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs and the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy. Let's go to April in Las Vegas. Hi, Wilk. Hello. Hi. How may we help? Well, I just wanted to give a little encouragement to the gentleman that called in uh, a couple of callers ago. Um, as far as my story is concerned with the craving for alcohol, um, I used to just, um, once in a while, I wanted a little glass of pink wine. Um, and, you know, no big deal. 
um, until I decided, well, maybe I just shouldn't do that. I don't think I'll drink anymore. And then the enemy just pounded me so that I really, really wanted it. Um, it, it was kind of a, a, a blow. You know, I, I thought, well, wait, I've never had this want for it before. Anyway, um, yeah, I said, well, God, I'm really weak. I want it really bad now. And I guess I'm just going to drink it unless you can take that craving away from me. And he did. I mean, it just went away. It just went away. And all I had to do was ask because I said, I'm weak. I can't do it myself. I need you. And he did. Well, that's wonderful. Scott, your thoughts. Yeah, praise God for that. Uh, you know, it's 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 amazing, I think, how the Lord delivers some people um, of this sort of thing just immediately. Other people, um, it seems like they struggle with it and they have to they have to learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh and learn how to, uh, you know, basically be discipled and learn how to live their life as Christians. Um, and then, you know, sometimes. The Lord, I think, wants us just to take certain steps of obedience when it comes to our sanctification of our mind, our our souls, and our bodies. And when we are obedient to Him, then He takes those things away from us. He 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 honors um, our obedience when it comes to these kind of things sometimes. And I praise God for that that uh, that that happened to you. You know, I had a I had a my my father in law when he got born again. You know, um, he smoked cigarettes all the time. And, uh, he wanted to be free from them, um, but, uh, was not able to be. He just, he struggled and struggled with it. And, uh, you know, the Lord spoke to me because he would always put his cigarettes in his front pocket. He always wore a pocket t-shirt with a front pocket and he put his cigarettes in there. That's where he kept his cigarettes and lighter. And, uh, the Lord spoke to me, uh, in, in helping him. And what I did is I bought him a pocket Bible and I told him, I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those cigarettes out of your pocket and I want you to put them somewhere else. Let's break that habit of them being easily accessible and and literally being over your heart on your pocket on your left side of your shirt. I said, and put this pocket Bible in there. And I told him, I said, here's what I want you to do. Every time you feel like you want to take a drag of cigarette and you reach over for those cigarettes, which you're going to do because that's what he's done all of his life. I said, you pull out that pocket Bible. And I said, I want you to begin to read the scripture. And he did that. He was just obedient in doing that and set him free. He he never smoked since. Um, so sometimes I think the Lord just, you know, uh, gives us different ways that he delivers us. And sometimes it's just steps of obedience he wants us to take. And when we do, he honors it. And there you go. So April, God bless you. And, and thanks for that encouragement. Amen. April, God bless you. Stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Okay. Thanks. God bless you. And uh, thanks so much for the encouragement. Let's go to Judith. Odessa, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi, how may we help? Yes, um, all my life I've been, um, a, you know, going to a Christian church, and so it, it closed down and everything, and I recently started attending a Pentecostal church, which everything is great, but I'm uh, a little bit confused because the pastor there says that you can only be saved if you're baptized in the name of Jesus. So I was baptized at my church in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I guess I'm just confused. (laughs) Well, they may not even believe in a Heavenly Father or a Holy Spirit. They may be what's called a Jesus-only doctrine, and it is cult. 
I hate to say it, I know I'm going to hurt a lot of people's feeling, but I didn't say that. John did, the beloved disciple, in Second John 2.22. He that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist. Boy, I'll tell you, that is pretty stinging. We find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to his Father in heaven. He sweat great drops of blood. We find when Jesus was baptized, There was a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son. The Holy Spirit came down and rested on him in the form of a dove. So the idea that there is no heavenly father, that there is no uh, Holy Spirit, it's just Jesus only, is a different Jesus than the Bible speaks of. And a lot of times the reason they're insistent upon being baptized only in the name of Jesus is because they deny the Father and the Holy Spirit. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. And this, um, you know, this movement is a is a branch of Pentecostalism, um, and they're usually called apostolic churches, uh, as as Mike said, uh, Jesus only churches, or what's called oneness churches, where they deny the Trinity. They believe in what's called modalism. Modalism is where there's just one God who takes on different modes. In other words, in the Old Testament, he was the Father. In the New Testament, he became Jesus. Now he's the Holy Spirit. Um, he manifests himself in different ways. So they don't believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons of the Godhead, which the Bible clearly teaches. And where they get their main doctrine from is Acts 2.38, where Peter on the day of Pentecost was preaching and told the people of Israel, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what they teach is when you are baptized in water in the name of Jesus, that's the only way you can truly be saved. That's how you get your sins taken care of. And also, when you come out of the water, you receive the Holy Spirit, which means you should speak in tongues. If that's the same kind of church this is, that's the kind of church you're in. And that's where they get their doctrine from. But what's what's amazing is where it says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, that word for there can also and should be translated since, since you've received the remission of sins. Listen, baptizing, getting baptized in water does not wash away your sins. Getting baptized in water, if you're not a Christian before you get baptized, you're not going to be a Christian when you come out of the water. You're just going to be a wet sinner. That's all. So water doesn't wash away our sins. Water doesn't make us a Christian. What makes us a Christian is hearing the gospel, putting our faith in the gospel. And baptism is that outward way, that physical way that we testify that we have received Christ in our hearts, and now our hearts have been changed by him. And uh, when it comes to being baptized, listen, I can show you scriptures in the Bible where it says they baptized him in the name of Jesus. They baptized him in the name of the Lord. There's a few scriptures in Acts where it says they baptized him in the name of the Lord. Well, or how, What about that? Are we supposed to baptize people in the name of the Lord? But I'm going to stick with Jesus. When Jesus said to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because that right there pronounces... And, and actually proclaims the very nature of God, who he is. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when you get into this whole thing of baptizing in Jesus' name only, um, it's, it's a whole, there's a whole doctrine attached to that that is just not biblical. Mike? Amen. So I would probably um, 
you know, Judith, I, I think I would go and ask the, the, you know, get a statement of faith from the church and see mm-hmm. if they are a oneness church uh, denying the Father and the, the Holy Spirit. And this, uh, just as uh, Scott said, this modalism idea that just it's just one God, but he takes on different forms. That's not what the Bible teaches. No. And uh, you find it in the very first chapter, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word for God there is the word God's, literally. Now, that's not up to everybody's interpretation that, oh, well, that's Zeus and Hermes. And, and no, no, no. The rest of the Bible tells us who this Elohim is. And I think that's very important and created us in his image. And we are a triune being. We're a body, a mind, and a spirit. There is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we find them all manifested together there when Jesus was baptized, when he started his earthly ministry. And they really do a song and dance to get around those obvious verses in the Bible. But there is no excuse when you go to uh, John 2.22, 2 John 2.22, uh, where it says, he that denies the Father and the Son hath the spirit of Antichrist. Very severe uh, declaration there. So, Judith, I hope that helps. Thank you so much. And, you know, like there, um, we can't wear makeup. We have to wear only dresses because they believe mm-hmm. that if we wear pants, it's only your uh, man. Men should dress like men and women should um, dress like women. And so no makeup. You have to let your hair long because that's where your strength comes. Now, the Holy Spirit there at the church, it's beautifully like you could speak in tongues and everything. But that was my main question because, you know, um, as growing up, when I was 15, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it was a Christian church, uh, non-denominational. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and then uh, coming into this, everything's just wonderful, except I was like, so what's what's because I think how I understood it is whenever Jesus got baptized by John, you know, and then Paul asked later on, John, how did you baptize them uh, for uh, for the for their sins and stuff? And then so then I guess I don't know if they said Paul said we'll baptize them again in the name of Jesus. No, but, it never says that. Uh, it, it's, it, it, I think what you might be speaking of there is Acts 19, where Paul mm-hmm. says, uh, in what name were you baptized in? And they said, in John's baptism. And so he reckoned with them with the Scripture. Uh, so I think it's important. In the name of means by the authority of. If you're in a bank, somebody's robbing in a, a plainclothes cop, is there, stop in the name of the law. In the name of means by the authority of the law. And it's by God's authority we baptize anybody. But they get all hung up on in the name of rather than realizing it's all about the authority of the baptism and that just shows a, a lack of really understanding, unfortunately, because they think in the name of this some magic mumbo jumbo. It's not. Right. It means by the authority of Jesus telling us to baptize. So can you baptize in Jesus' name? Well, yes. Can you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Yes. But if you don't believe in a Father and a Holy Spirit, then you're in something different than just baptizing in Jesus' name. You're in something really goofy. Judas, stay online. We'll send you out a couple books, a couple of DVDs. We're all out of time. Scott, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, Mike. Always a blessing. And uh, Mm -hmm. Howard and Teresa calls back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. 
and uh, look forward to, to being back with all of you. Ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 